Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. Well, how you guys doing? You guys doing good? Man, I feel so good. <clears throat> Why don't we just pray? just for the, these next moments, just that God would do something. Jesus, we invite you right now into what you're about to do in the room. God, I believe that you're here, that you're powerful, that you move, that you transform us to action and to movement. And I just pray in these next moments that we have together that you would do what only you could do, God, not what man could do, not what a simple message could do, but God, with the power of the living word. And with the scripture and with the spirit that is already within those who believe in you. Jesus, unleash your power in this moment. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I wanted to uh, share this story with you. I've been thinking about in my own personal life some of the things that sometimes God will take us through these journeys. And sometimes they feel like it's like another test to get you to the next space, to get you to the next level, if I could use that language loosely. But it's sort of this maturing with God. It's this maturing as you move towards the glory of heaven, as you move towards what it means to get from here to there, what it means to get from the old into the new. And when I was in high school, for those that, that knew me in high school, I had a, a 1963 uh, Volkswagen. And it was, it was pimped out, man. It was nice. And I had it lowered, slammed to the ground. I had some nice rims on it. I had the 12-inch bass in the back, <laughs> and I remember there were times, though, it's, it's 1963 Volkswagen. My brother helped me basically build it from the ground up. With, we had to go to the mechanics often because he was the, tri the mechanic, and then it wouldn't work, and then my dad would get upset because he would mess something up that the mechanic did, so we had to take it back and pay for it. But there were times, if you know anything about, like, the old-school cars with stick shift, that sometimes the battery would go out or the transition was a little off. So you have to, what we would call the terminology would, would be to pop the clutch. If you know what I'm talking about, right? So I, I'm, I, I, I remember my brother taught me how to do this. And I was like, man, that's really cool. You sort of jumpstart the engine through the transmission, through the clutch, and it, and it basically powers the engine to move forward. So I'll, I'll never forget one morning this happened. I was leaving, I was probably a junior in high school, and I was already kind of almost late, and I'm backing out of my, uh, I'm trying to get out of that, the garage, and the car's not turning on, the Volkswagen, right? It's like, and I'm like, man, what do I do? And so I remember I went to wake up my brother, Zach, and he's like, oh, dude, you got to pop the clutch. There's something wrong with it. Just pop it, and then we'll go. And I'm like, what the heck does that mean? So he gets out with me at like 7.30 in the morning, and he he tells me, okay, we're going to push the Volkswagen down the street in the neighborhood. You're going to jump in. You're going to hold the clutch down. You're going to put it in like second gear. And then I'm going to push it as long as you can. And then I'm, I want you to let off the clutch and it's going to start it. I'm like, okay. Sounds like a great idea. So in the morning at 730, me and my brother are pushing. I'm holding the steering wheel as he's pushing from the back. And we're just going as fast as we can. And I jump in the car. And I put it in second gear. I hold the clutch down. And then it's going long enough, long enough. And then I pull my, my foot off the clutch. And it jump starts it into second gear. And I take off. And I remember I called him. I'm like, thanks, man. That was so cool. And I, like, went to school. And then after school, it happens again. And so I had to get all my high school buddies. Like, we finished water polo practice. And I'm like, hey, guys, I need you to help pop the clutch. They're like, what does that mean? Just like, it's okay. I'm just going to get in the car because there's like five of you. Just push me as far and fast as you can and I'll take off. And I, I just, I remember that moment and oftentimes God will bring back that memory when it comes to my faith. Because I believe that we can't, if, if, if we could go back to, to last week, let faith arise. If, if I had a part two today, it would be called movement. I am convinced that if we just play it safe with this thing called faith, you will not see movement in your life. I believe that you can get in the car. You can get in with God. You can experience his goodness and his, his miraculous. You can get the prophetic word for your life. But when you get in the driver's seat of life, when life hits you, are you even moving? 
Do you have anyone helping you get along the journey to jumpstart, to pop the clutch in your life? And I just, I, 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 there's been so many times in my life where I just, I see it. I'm like, man, God, it's so simple to me sometimes. But yet, we can get kind of weird in this Christian bubble where we think God's going to do everything. And God has it all. He's just going to, he's going to draw the game plan for you. He's going to put all of the puzzle pieces down for you and not even invite you to do it. And so there's this story in the scriptures that I want to, I want to push against your theology for a moment. If you feel like there's that prayer sometimes where it's like, oh, it's, it's just on God. God, God, you do it, Father. Lord, I just pray that you would do all of it. And, and yes, I pray those things as well. Again, it's the belief system. It's how your brain is wired. Do you believe that God is supposed to do all of it? Do you believe he invites you into that journey? Are you just supposed to sit back and just let him kind of rule and reign in your life and you have no part in it? And when I look at the scriptures, I do not see that with Jesus of Nazareth. As he was discipling, teaching his students as he was the rabbi. So there's this story in the scriptures where Jesus through the disciples, feeds thousands of people with fish and bread. If you know the story, there's this little boy who has the fish and the bread. And there are thousands that have come to listen to Jesus. And, and remember, why would they come to, why would thousands come to listen to Jesus? Well, wouldn't you follow someone that in the neighborhood he was healing people? And casting out demons and the miraculous, everywhere he went, there was miracles that was taking place. Wouldn't you just go to see what was going on, just by curiosity? And so there was thousands of people listening to Jesus as he was teaching, and then they were hungry. So the scripture says he takes the bread and the fish, and he offers it up, and he offers up to the Father, and then he hands it to his disciples. And they begin to multiply, and it multiplies, and a miracle happens right in front of them. And then Jesus is like, hey, I'm tired. What I want you to do is meet me on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which, by the way, it's not necessarily like a sea, like the ocean. It's a lake. So he's like, I want to meet you on the other side of the lake. And they're like, okay, Jesus, sounds good. And it's like the wee hours of the morning, it's really dark. And so he sends them in the boat and he says, I have to go pray to the Father. And, and just a quick side note, when life gets hard and you get exhausted, do you go to God first? And Jesus shows us as the rabbi of our soul, whenever it got difficult, whenever he was exhausted, because he was also a man in the scriptures, Fully man, fully God, but he showed us what it was like to go to him to, to get the power, to get the restoration, to get the energy back. So he goes to pray and he sends off his disciples in the boat. There's 12 of them, right? And then the scripture says something really interesting. It says that as, as the sun began to rise, it was really foggy over the Sea of Galilee, over this lake. And one of the disciples says, it's a ghost. There's a ghost out in the water. And you have to understand the context. Anything that related to sea or water meant there were monsters lurking underneath the ocean or the water. So whenever you read the word, the word sea in the Psalms or sea in the book of Revelation, there's a, there's a metaphorical connotation of something terrifying out there that is unknown. And so across the water where the smoke or where the, the fog is, they see a ghost walking. It's a ghost. And they're terrified. And then as the fog begins to clear a little bit, they see that it's Jesus walking on water. Define, redefining the fabric of reality, by the way. What would you think if you were in the boat seeing this? I mean, sometimes we so easily read over these scriptures and it's like, wow, that's so cool. No, actually go there with me. We're in the boat, it's rocking, it's scary. The scripture says that the wind and the waves, the waves are arising and it's getting, it's getting pretty difficult and it's getting rocky. And then you see this like ghost-like figure walking on the water. Only to realize that it's, it's your rabbi, it's your teacher, Jesus. And so if you want to turn with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Chapter 14. 
Starting at verse 22, it says this. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he was dismissed to the crowd, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. And this is, this blows my mind when we're considering this man named Peter. Peter gets a bad rep in the scriptures, by the way. I mean, he did deny Jesus three times. He was the one that just, he would just do really dumb things. Things that didn't make sense. Jesus had to call him the devil at one point because of his mouth. He oftentimes did before he thought. That was Peter. But also, I believe that it was the audacious, audacious faith of Peter that shows us what it looks like in the scriptures to walk like Peter after Jesus. It says this in verse 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. Sorry, verse uh, yeah, verse 28, Lord, Peter replied, if it is you, tell me to come to you on the water. Did you catch that? <laughs> Imagine, would you have the faith and the tenacity to tell Jesus, hey, if it's really you, you don't have to convince me that you're God. Clearly something's going on here. You're walking on water. You've redefined reality. But if it's really you, Jesus, I want you to call me out to you on the water. In other words, I don't want you to prove who you are to me. I'm aware of that. I want you to prove who I am with you. Did you catch that one? And you know what's crazy is, is Jesus doesn't give us a blueprint, but do you see the blueprint in the scripture of faith and of risk? I said this last week. The way you spell faith, my friend, is R-I-S-K. If you want to live like Jesus wants you to, if you want to live like a man named Peter, if you want to follow after this God, you must live with this type of faith that says, I don't understand. It does not make sense. I cannot see clearly. This is actually impossible. But God, I want you to prove to me who I am with you. Because I already know you're God. I already know you're the king. I already know you work miracles. But who am I now that I am with you, God? And please don't mishear what I'm saying. This isn't a narcissistic, egotistical message of what are the things that you can do in your life. No, I'm, I'm saying, who are you now that you have God? And are you even living that life? Every single week, we come to, ga to gather in the name of Jesus, don't we? You're here for many reasons. There's many things going on in your life. But I just want you to move now. I don't want you to play it safe anymore. I don't want to play it safe. I want to be known when I'm in my, when, when, when the eulogy is speaking over my life, man, that guy, Sammy, he lived his life filled with risk, filled with faith. He believed that God would do the impossible in his life. And I only see that in the scriptures. This, this audacity to move, to change, to shift. And I just believe that sometimes when we pick up our faith, when we walk in discipleship towards Jesus, we forget somewhere along the journey. I don't know if it's bad theology or if it's just like other people speaking into, I, I don't know sometimes, or it could just be laziness. But man, sometimes we just like sit and do nothing with who we are, with our life, with with our dream, with our aspiration, not knowing that you have the living Christ within you. You have the spirit of the living God inside of you. If I could use this language, you are possessed by the Holy Spirit. But maybe we just don't really want to be possessed by the Holy Spirit. Maybe we have God with us, but we have other people with us. Maybe it's because, unlike Peter, Imagine the story. 
if the other 11, and then it said, Matthew was explaining to us, and he's like, and then after Peter got and walked on the water, all of us joined with him because that was wild. I don't read that, do you? So when I, when I find myself staring at the impossible, I, I, I always go back to the scripture. And I'm like, man, God, I have faith to believe that I can walk on water. I have faith to believe that you can do the impossible. And then I speak that and I pray that and I speak that and I pray that and I speak that and I pray that. And then if I do nothing, what happens? We, we think that we're waiting on God to move, but actually God's waiting on you. I love Peter's mindset. Not, Lord, if it's you, stop the wind and the waves. Do you notice he, he didn't say that? He said, no, Lord, if it's you, prove to me who I am with you. You see, when you have movement and God is with you and he has called you, you discover who you are in him. I am convinced you will not fully discover who you are in Christ until you actually take risk towards the impossible. I'm convinced of it. Because how would you know how big your God is unless you took a step back and you said, man, this stuff I have to believe. I'm, I'm just going to try to believe. I'm going to try to see this God and who he really is. I have the spirit of God within me. The scripture makes it clear. But now I'm going to move in faith. I'm going to move in action. I'm going to do something with my life. And, and step towards the future. My, my prayer, honestly, is, is that we would become a people that are not afraid to take risks. Imagine what our community would look like. Imagine what our city would look like if it was filled with men, men and women that, were, that would say, the impossible, anything is possible with God. It doesn't make sense to man's eye, to man's understanding. Logically, it doesn't make sense. But what, what does God say about it? What does faith say about it? Because the last time I checked, the scripture says that faith are, is things that I cannot see. It's the invisible. <laughs> but you see, you're capable of doing now. Now that you have the resurrected God within you, you are capable of doing powerful, miraculous things. In the name of Christ, Christ within you, as you learn and as you develop and as you mature, as you, you, you shift from a seeker, because the scripture says that when Jesus came and he invited the first two disciples, he said, why don't you just come and see, right? So then there's a lot of us that are still seekers, where we just want to come and see what's going on. Wow, the miracles, dang, that was cool. Whoa, he gave me a prophetic word, dang, that was awesome. Wow, I felt something really amazing in the room. Man, I, I'm seeing people transformed, but you're still just, I just want to come and see. Right? Like, I, I don't really want to do anything. I just kind of want to sit back and watch. And then what happens is when, when you transform from the, the come and see stage, you, you step into a follower stage where many were following after Jesus. The scripture says that there were 5,000 men there, not including the women and children. So there was actually like 10,000 plus people that were just following. And I'm curious, how many were true disciples that were there watching the miraculous take place? So we move from come and see to follower where, you know, like easily you can subscribe and unsubscribe, Right? Where it's like, oh, man, this, this Jesus thing is awesome. Whoa. And then it's like, oh, that relationship part, you want me to do what? Stop having sex before marriage? I think I'm going to unfollow that area. Right? And what you don't realize is now you've just become a follower or an unfollower whenever you feel like it. And I, I'm convinced, my friend, you're not going to see the power of God when you live that way. Because it requires radical apprenticeship and discipleship under the living God. So we, 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 we move from come and see to follower to now disciple and then to disciple maker. And I, I pray that God would shift your heart so that you can actually move. Where are you at right now? 
take, take a movement check in your life. Are, are you just like praying that God would do something in your life? Are you praying that God would give you the job? Or are you praying that God would, would show you what school to go to? And my friend, pray, please. That's the first line of defense. But after a while, do something. And my professor said this, and I was like, whoa, that's really good. He's like, the problem is when I sit down and I disciple people or I do soul care with people, after like the fifth or sixth time where they're like, man, I just keep, I'm praying about this though. Yeah, no, pastor, I'm praying about it. And he, he's like, I, I'm convinced that after a while I begin to question, is this slothfulness now? Is this laziness? Are you just making an excuse that you're praying, but you actually just don't want to do anything? And I, I, I want to encourage you to to get in the car, and I'll push, I'll push the Volkswagen. <laughs> and, and there's men and women, there's some strong guys here. We got, we got Chris, and then Eric, remember on Father's Day, he like beat everyone in the, pull, the push-up challenge, right? So we got some strong guys here. We got Chase in the back, right? It's like, okay, let's get all of the men and women. Let's not disregard. Lisa's around here somewhere. She can live more than the, some guys in the room. And, and, and so then what we do is then, okay, then get in community with me. If you're not going to move, then I'm going to show you how to move. Just get in the car. Just let faith arise. Let me encourage you in the Lord. And I'm going to push you as far and as fast as I can. And you, though, still have to pop the clutch. And what happens is we get so exhausted and I get tired, friend, because I'm just pushing you and pushing you and pushing you. And I'm like, bro, what are you going to do? Like, what's going on? It's like, man, do you, do you realize you can walk on water? Do you realize the, the impossible becomes possible? My Bible says in the scriptures in the book of Luke, he says, with God, all things are possible. You might think it's impossible. Let God show up and show off in your life then. So, I, I, it's just a public confession. I, I get tired of just pushing the person that doesn't want to pop the clutch. It's like, bro, what are you doing? What's going on, man? And I understand sometimes, sometimes we have to do damage control, right? And be like, hey, man, you're not ready to move yet. Why, why don't, you're, you're pretty idle, so let's just sit down and do some, some real-life emotional, spiritual work on your soul. Because there's a reason you're afraid to move forward. You're, you're holding on to the past too long. Some people in this room are terrified of the future because of what happened to you in the past. And that's not faith, friend. That's doubt. That's disbelief. And that's not recognizing the God that you serve, that you're possessed by, by the way. Some of us will keep doubting who God is because you keep wanting God to move outside of you. Did you catch that one? <laughs> when you pray and ask God for a miracle in your life, or, you, or you're asking God to pray, like you're praying for that person in your life that doesn't know God. You've tasted and seen the goodness and the wonder and the miraculous and the joy and the beauty. And yeah, we go through suffering, but man, we got a community. We got a God that, we got a God that is with us through any storm. When you're praying for that person, are you just praying that Pastor Sam would reach them? Or are you saying, God, show me who I am with you. Give me a word for them. Give me peace. Give me joy. Give me comfort. Let me speak life into them. But we oftentimes pray, and we pray ourselves out of the situation. All the while, God invites you to get out of the boat with him and to move. The scripture says in Genesis 2.15, the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden. And watch this, you're not going to like this one. To work it and take care of it. I have this conversation all the time. Sometimes people that don't believe in God make more sense to me than people that believe in God. Honestly. I, when I talk to people about what it means to move forward for the future, what it means to step into a greater future for my family as a father, as a, as a husband, as someone that, that is desiring that God would bring a, a healthy amount of finances to the family so that we can have a roof over our head. When I sometimes talk to unbelievers, they make more sense to me than believers at times. Just pray about it, man. 
and I'm praying for you. Just, you got this, man. Just, man, let me just pray for you. Let me just pray with you. And yes, my friend, please don't mishear me. I'm the first to say get on your knees before God and pray. But what do you do after you pray? And then I talk to those that don't believe it, and they're like, hey, man, we've got to work this out. Let's talk about strategy and understand what's going on. But then sometimes my mind gets too much on my might and my power and my strength and how I could do it. But I, then I miss the God component. You see, I, I need to walk into rooms where people know who God is. Don't you? I need to know God so well that when I encourage someone, when I speak life into someone, that I can actually speak from the scriptures to that person. But if I don't know God, then what? What am I, what's going on in my mind? I, I get too much in the flesh and the strategy and the this and the that and we just move this around and maybe we just call these people and do that, right? And it's like we get so focused on the strategy, on the stratagem when we miss the whole part that God is the God of the impossible. And he's inviting you to step out in faith. He's inviting me. And I say this all the time, maybe this message is just for me in the room. But you must let faith rise again, friend. You must step forward and walk towards God. And then it says this, then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, beginning to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. And I love what Jesus says. <laughs> he says, you have little faith, Peter. Come on, man. You're just walking on water. What's going on? And we know that the, the moment that you think you can do it on your own, good luck with that, friend. I say that with all sincerity as a pastor's heart. The moment that you think you can start doing this life, especially after you've experienced what it's like to be with God, that is the, actually the most dangerous place to be. Not in a healthy danger, in a really unhealthy danger where you know how God can move in your life, but you're choosing not to step into what he's called you to. And you're by choice choosing to not do anything with what God says to do. That part scares me, by the way. He says, you have little faith. Why do you doubt, Peter? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the son of God. Some of us don't believe we have to move, so we fall into stillness. We fall into inaction. We fall into idleness. We fall into stagnation. Can we fast forward in the scriptures in the book of John? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Turn with me to John 21. John 21. Starting at verse 1. It says this. After, so, so just to get you, give you context, Jesus dies and now he rises again from the grave. He, he does the ultimate act of the impossible. He conquers death. So now the scripture says that he appears and reappears. And he's going and he's, he's showing up to people. He's walking through doors. He has basically the resurrected body, the heavenly body. And he's coming and going, coming and going. And so in verse chapter 21, verse 1, it says, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. Does that sound familiar? By the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon P Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. Can I just give you a quick side note? <laughs> When God calls you to do something, and then it doesn't work out the way you wanted it to, do you go back to your old life? Look at what they did. They were with the Messiah, seeing miracle after miracle after miracle, signs and wonders. In their own hands, they saw the multiplication. With their own eyes, they saw a man named Jesus who was the son of God, who was God. Walk on, redefine reality. And then when he dies, though he promised them, I will rise again, they doubted him. And then they went back to their old ways. I'm terrified of this, by the way, so maybe it's unhealthy and, and we can do some soul care later. But I, I'm convinced that because I'm doing this with God, it's not my identity but I'm not ever going to bow down 
to fear. I'm not ever gonna give up. I'm not ever gonna pass the baton before it's too early. Not when it comes to doing what God has called me to do. Now, notice what I'm saying. God can call me wherever he wants, whenever he wants. I just pray, God, let me be here forever. That's my prayer. But God can do whatever he wants in my life. But woe is me if I jump out of the boat, if I get out of the race before my time because of exhaustion, because of doubt, because of worry, because I didn't think it was supposed to go the way I thought it was. And I stopped praying, thy will be done. Instead of, it turned to, no, God, my will, my will be done. I just don't want to go back to my old ways. Does that make sense? No, honestly, is this, is this making sense to you? Or have you? Have some of you gone back to your old ways? because it wasn't working out and it didn't make sense. I worked ballet at Pelican Hill. Pelican Hill, if you know what Pelican Hill is, it's like, it's like this. Kobe Bryant lived up in the hill. I'm like, man, I'm pulling up in my Toyota Tacoma. <laughs> I get out, there's like Lamborghinis and the Porsches that there's like 10 in the world and men and women, these golfers that have money they don't even know what to do with. I know their names because I'm parking their cars and the money was so good for, for like a young married man like man this is good stuff and I noticed that whenever it got whenever I stepped away from it and it got hard I just went back to it oh I gotta call Sergio and ask him hey man can I come back on the team am I still like on payroll oh yeah I can come all right sweet and I would go back to my old ways over and over and over again. The pandemic hits, it's not making sense, the finances aren't. Chris just gave a whole testimony about finances, right? Ever since Kelly and I could remember, there was a moment where I was a youth pastor and my mom had to encourage me and say, hey, yes, I couldn't, like literally when I tithe, it was in the zero. So I had to learn something, okay? So like, if I tithe, this is how much money we didn't have. If I tithe, we, it was not good for us, like at all. I was 21 years old, so I was still trying to learn this. And I had my senior pastor sit me down. I wish he would have done it a little differently. And he's just real straightforward to the punch. And he's like, hey, man, I just want to talk to you real quick. I'm like, yeah, absolutely, pastor. And he's like, hey, um, you're not tithing. I'm like, yeah, man, it's, it's hard for us. And like, yes, but you don't believe that God can move then if you're not going to tithe. And then he like did something that really bothered me, but I get it. He's like, hey man, if you're gonna be on staff here, you have to tithe. I'm like, okay, all right, wow, that was hard. But then Kelly and I just, out of faith, all right, we're gonna do this. We couldn't do 10% at the time, so we started with like 5%. And then I made it a discipline of faith. You think that when we come up here, we're just begging for your money? I'm convinced that you're missing all of the things God has in store for you by by not stepping out in faith. So I'll never forget, I, I, I get into it, my pastor helps me get this job, and I'm working at Pelican Hill, where Kobe Bryant, he's come down a couple times, it was cool, right? So anyway, I go, the pandemic hits, I think, I, I gotta go back to the job. I remember telling Kelly that. Kelly, I gotta go back, it's just not making sense, I'll just go three days a week, will be perfect for us. And I'll never forget, as I was in my prayer closet, God said, do you believe in the impossible? Like, do you believe that you can actually do something? Or are you just going to go back to fishing in the boat? I'm like, no, God, I'm not going to do it. So then I put a fleece before God. I said, God, if you do not want me to be here, shut all the doors. And that was scary. That was really scary. As I was driving here, I said, God, shut all the doors then to Pelican Hill. I don't want it if you don't want it for me. And then I called Sergio that day. Hey, man, I'm just checking in. Oh, you know, Sam, I'm so sorry. They like reordered all of the staff and they have like new management. And if you come in, you're gonna have to like come to the very bottom. And like the very bottom just was not pay to drive all the way out there. Like, ah, it's just, you're not gonna be able to come back to the golf area. And that's where they really made the money. I said, okay, that's fine, man. He's like really apologizing to me. And I said, no, Sergio, you don't get it, man. That's God's answer. God's just telling me this isn't where I'm supposed to be anymore. And I remember I had to make a decision. Do I go by what I can see or what I can't see? Do I, do I really believe this God? Or 
is this just like something I talk about on a Sunday to encourage people or do I really believe this? So the scripture says, so they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called them out, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him that he had taken off and jumped into the waves, jumped into the water, and the other disciples followed in the boat. Notice, Peter was the only one who jumped out again. He was the only one that was radical enough to say, man, I got to get to this Jesus. I don't care if this all sounds, I seem kind of weird and off, and I'm like that Jesus guy, and I'll like jump into the water, but I will do that every time, as long as I know that Jesus is with me, and Jesus has gone before me, and oftentimes, he's already there in the future, waiting for you on the shore. Can you get out of the boat? Can you get out of the old lifestyle? Can you step into the extraordinary, because you're living your life too safe? Move, have movement in your life, have action, do something with your physical body and believe that God can do it. And even if he can't do it, at least you're moving because his answer might be no, but that's the yes that you need. It is the Lord, as soon as Simon Peter heard, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him and he jumped into the water and the other disciples followed towing the net full of fish for there were not far from the shore and when they landed they saw a fire of burning coals with him with fish on it and some bread I just I just I want to encourage somebody in the room if you're going to step into this journey of faith with Jesus whether it's just coming and seeing it's following him truly jumping all in to become a disciple wherever you're at in the journey it's going to require movement friend it's going to require stepping out in faith over and over and over again and somebody in the room you just need to know this so move move stop doing things that you have always done and change the way you're doing it invite Jesus into your life say Jesus I offer all of this to you Jesus I'm like doing the puzzle I just need you to come and direct me sometimes we think he's going to grab the pieces and go okay honey and it's here here honey no right here right here and it's like no 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 no. the way that I see it theologically he gives you the peace and says lean on me and not your own understanding You, you do it I'm with you with you and maybe when you're like a baby Christian he'll he'll lead you but after a while he's gonna be like hey you got this go for it go for it do it move ask seek knock step have movement in your life and see what I can do with that amen will you pray and stand with me as we finish Jesus I pray for every person in this room every person in this room, God, wherever they're at along the journey, as they hear the invitation of your voice, of your goodness, of your peace, of your love, of your mercy, as they hear, come follow me. Come follow me. I pray, Jesus, that they would move towards you as you are already near. You are already with us. You are you have already gone before us. And Jesus, it's time for me to move now. It's time for me to step. It's time for me to use my actual body. It's time for me to get rid of the old and step into the new. It's time for me to go after you with all that I am. Even if that means I look ridiculous to those around me. I'm all in, Jesus. So shift me, shape me, mold me into the man or woman of God that you've called this room
come to you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let our faith arise. Let our faith arise. Let our faith share one, one last thought. I'll never forget, I was, I was crying on the phone as I was driving back from Pelican Hill. And we were planning the church, and it was just really hard. It's like always hard, but this time it was really hard. And this was about four years, three years ago, and I was crying on the phone, and I called my brother Paul, and he said, man, the thing about doing something, anything in life, is you're gonna have the people down the road 10 years that say, oh man, you, you had it so lucky. Wow, man, 
that was lucky you did that. That was lucky that that happened in your life. And he's like, these are the moments that will define you. Where you wanna quit, where you wanna just throw in the towel, when you wanna just play it safe, these are the moments that define you. And I've had to learn to reshape my mind to say, it's in these moments that I'm living the dream. The dream is now. And I feel that again right now in our community. It's so easy to just kind of play it safe. It's easy, if I'm being honest, our community's gotten really comfortable and it's made me uncomfortable. We, we can no longer play it safe. There's families on the line. There's men and women that struggle with suicide on the line. There's guys that are going to the hospital, right Eric? Me and Eric have been trying to talk to this guy that lives in Orange County. Every time we try to meet with him, he gets in the, in the hospital. The last time, he had an intentional overdose. And I told, I was like, that's not, not on my watch anymore. We're going to him. I'm going to go to him. Because the, the battlefield is fought, in, like, in, in the mess and in the strife and in the worry and in the uncertainty. But, but as a community, I, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you, stop playing it safe. It's time to step forward now with a new audacity. I've been asking God for a second wind, a second wave. When you're playing basketball or football and you get really tired or you're swimming, some of the swimmers know what I'm talking about. And then like all of a sudden you get a second wave, you're like, oh, I got this. I'm asking God for our community in November as we look towards that January 2023, would God, God, would you give us, all of us, a second win? It's not going to be Sammy anymore. It's not going to be Kelly. It's not going to be our key leaders. It's going to be all of us saying, we're not playing it safe anymore. We're going to reach those that are unreached. We're going to do life with people. We're going to gather in homes and disciple one another. We're going to go for the one. We're going to do everything that we possibly can. And I said this last night, you have gifts that you're not even using and it's terrifying to me as your pastor. You have rooms that you haven't even walked into because you don't even know the gift that you have. You have people that are waiting like the man in Acts crying out, would you come, would you come to us please? But God is calling you, he's not calling me. There are people in your life that only you can reach, that only you can speak into family members and friends and my, my question to you is what are you doing about it a second win over our community I pray in the name of Jesus a second win over our finances I don't want to worry about our finances anymore a second win over discipleship I want to have a pathway to real life transformation a second win for evangelism I want the evangelists to arise and those that aren't evangelists to take on the spiritual gift and invite those in your life that you already know into community into life transformation and my friend take on the second third fourth fifth win be persistent be resilient don't give up don't play it safe if I'm gonna do it you got to do it with me honestly I'm tired I'm tired I'm pushing I'm pushing the Volkswagen I got some other people with me like dang when's the when's the clutch gonna pop Jeez. And I was just praying, God, like Elisha told the woman, this time next year, you don't even know what God's going to do. I felt that this morning. I remember that story. This time next year, we're going to have a new song to sing. But you know, you know what the song's going to be? Lives transformed. Families restored. The prayer that goes up day and night, night and day, let prayers arise. We're going to see life transformation. And I'm believing that for you, but my friend, you have to move. Amen? Can we sing this last song with all of our heart? Come on, stop playing it safe in the room. Raise your hands. There's something about worship. Stop being the over-masculine, just kind of playing it safe. Like, we're worshiping the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We're worshiping the God that stands before us. And we tremble at His face. We tremble at His presence not because we're afraid, but because there's so much glory. So can we sing with every fabric of our being, raise our hands to him, he's good, he's powerful, he's anointed to do the work in our lives. Come on, let your faith arise. Come on, sir, sing it out, man, come on. Day and night. Day and night. 
Let's change, let's change the lyric. Day and night, night and day, let prayers arise. Let's change that one. Come on, sing it.